It is Monday, May 1st. I'm Scott Sadden. And I'm A.J. Hoffman. The Warriors are moving on. And the Heat start off on the right foot. Here comes the Vegas truth. This is straight out of Vegas. We are straight out of Vegas AM, your daily destination for sports conversation with a Vegas lean. Here's what you need to know to start your day. Golden State Warriors win Game 7 120-100 behind a massive Steph Curry effort. The record-setting season for the Boston Bruins comes to an end as they are eliminated. And Scott's Knicks are losers. What is the Vegas lead, Scott? We're going to forget about the Knicks for a moment Uh, here. And let's just focus on the positive and that Steph Curry's record-setting performance. Mackenzie Rivers, our NBA guru here on Straight Out of Vegas AM. 50 points in a game seven? 50? 50 points. Arguably the greatest game he's ever had in his career. Arguably the best series had in his career. After he had the best finals in his career, uh, it just it's shocking. And it's what's really impressive is that he had to do it. Clay Thompson, Andrew Wiggins, Jordan Poole shot 27% combined. They, they could have scored 40 points in this game as a team if it wasn't for Steph Curry. So here's the real question. When they announce the MVP, can they say, listen, guys, I know we had said that you were going to be the MVP, Joel Embiid uh, or Jokic, <laughs> whoever it was going to be. You're not it anymore. We're giving this trophy to Steph's the best player in the league. Like, it, there's it, Joel Embiid can't do what Steph did mm-hmm. yesterday. Like, it's it, it, he's the only person in the world who can do this. And and it, I'll be honest, at halftime of that game, I was like, man, is it going to happen? Is it going to happen? They were losing by two at half. The Kings were. I mean, it was a good, it was a really competitive game for the first half. Yeah. And then he went into like that. Remember when you like you on NBA Jam where you just burst into flames? Yeah, he's on fire. <laughs> yeah, that was Steph Curry for the second half. So I mean, some of the shots in the fourth quarter, like his shot to get fifty points. Where they're doubling him 50 feet. He loses the ball kind of like he does, pushes it forward, it dribbles a couple times. Then he catches it again right before another double team comes, splits that for the layup. It was it was unbelievable. Yeah, he's a good sports player. So. It, it was the threes, it was the scoop layups. He finished 20 of 38, shooting the 50 points, the most ever scored in a game seven in NBA history. And he's the first player in team history, Warriors history, with 40 or more points in a game seven. And it's it's hard to find any of the the starters from Sacramento who you can say, oh yeah, they played really well. <laughs> like it, like Sabonis's final line looks good. If you watch the game, you realize Sabonis was probably a negative. Yeah. Uh, Darren Fox was probably a negative in this game. Uh, Malik Monk was he was really inefficient. He was at least doing something off the bench. Like they, it was it was just a bad night and really a bad second half for this team. And this is where I think that championship. Like that pedigree mm-hmm. comes into play. One team that was feeling the pressures of be, you know being in a close game at halftime of Game Seven. I imagine that the difference between those two locker rooms was probably yeah. night and day. Like this was like the the 40th most important game the Warriors have played in the last five years, and this was the absolute most important game the Kings have played in their lives. Most of them, right? And Clay Thompson, four for 19, a game he would like to forget, but maybe hit the biggest shot of the game with that championship mentality to end the fourth quarter and yeah fox five turnovers five made shots we, you got to think that that hand uh, played a factor in these last couple of games for sure well now we know we've got warriors versus lakers and the warriors have home court advantage yep what are the numbers on this series mac uh warriors and five but uh the vegas market <laughs> says uh the warriors are minus 160 take back 135 on the lakers okay yeah it's funny Boy, that- it seems like that's a really like Good value bet. I would think the Warriors should be much heavier favorites. I don't know. Considering what we just saw. Like, what did we just see? The Warriors have been bad outside of Steph Curry for two straight series. But they're pulling them out. We just saw one guy win it. Yeah. yeah, Like, we just saw them. Kevon Looney's probably their second best player at the moment. Yeah, we just saw them win by 20 on the road in a game seven. So, plus 58 Curry was when he was on the floor in the series, minus 43 without him. That's insane. It's more and more. one player dependent, and we've seen other teams in the playoffs not be able to sustain that. Uh, 
ironically, the, the Warriors are more like a James Harden team at this point than, than they have been that uh, beautiful beautiful game that's more reminiscent of the Spurs back in the day. Yeah, the, the Warriors, I, I wonder if this is like maybe a wake-up call to them. Like, I think, again, a team that's been there and done that, after a game like this, you look around the locker room and nobody, like, I'm sure they're all excited, but they all realize that they just got bailed out by one guy. And the rest of those guys probably have to look themselves in the mirror and say, we've got to be a lot better than this. And uh, the you Kings know, were the only bottom five defense in the in the playoffs. Lakers are, are probably the polar opposite of that uh, as far as being reliant on their defense. Well, an interesting series, certainly. Um, the... You said Warriors in five is your prediction? Yes, I'm going to stick with it. Warriors in five. I do think it's wild that the last three games of the Warriors-King series. Mm-hmm. Road team won every one. Bucked the system three times in a row. I mean, how dare you? How, how, how can this be? I'm going Warriors in six. I think they win it at home. I think the NBA would like it to go at least six so they can get well, one extra. going to be in L.A. Yeah, because it's a home, Warriors oh. have home court. Mm. Yeah. Well, then I'll still go. I'll still do it in six. I think the the league wants a little more games between LeBron and Steph. I think it'll. We might get like a Scott Foster showing up if 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 the Warriors are up three games to one. We might get like one of those games where LeBron shoots too many free throws. Yeah, I was gonna say you think we're gonna get the uh, the free throw discrepancy, yeah, uh, or the fouls yeah. discrepancy that we got uh, in some of the later regular season games. I don't know. I I think the the beauty of the Warriors Lakers matchup is. The NBA is going to be happy whoever wins. Like yeah. this is a the the win the winner of that series being in the conference finals mm-hmm. is a win for the NBA. That's the stats floating around the internet. Twenty seven games since twenty fourteen. There's been more than fourteen million viewers. Every single one of them, Warriors or Lakers involved. So, one of yeah. those two teams. That's wild. <laughs> it's funny how the Warriors have become. I mean, they've become such a. I don't. I, it's hard for me to say a popular team. But they're at least a nationally watched team. They're a, res- mm-hmm. a respected team. And I think there's Warriors fans outside of just the go- – like, they've become a national brand. Well, that's what happens when you have a dynasty. It didn't happen for the Spurs. Uh, I, I think they don't win as much. Yeah, but I think there was I think there was some Spurs jerseys floating around. Definitely more than there would have been without the five. Uh, yeah, yeah, but I mean, no, it wasn't like this. Like the Spurs were never going to be like but they also, one of the more popular well, teams but, on television. But the thing it's, is, Tim Duncan it was a quiet superstar. Yeah, right. You didn't see Tim Duncan on half the commercials yeah. that you see Steph Curry in, right? Or, or even you know Clay, anybody else on the team. Clay, Draymond's got his podcast, right? Like, well, you, you didn't you didn't see like. I mean, maybe internationally, Tony Parker was doing stuff in France, but I, I he did, what was he, married to Ava Longoria or mm-hmm. dating Ava Longoria, yeah. whatever it was. Um, I saw them in the Bahamas one time. Uh, so, it, oh, sorry. yeah, yeah. I was wearing a, a Jason Kidd Nets jersey when we when we saw him. Just out of coincidence, happened yeah. to have another point guard. And, and, and it was the year that they had beaten the Nets in the finals. He, so, he, saw, he thought you were such a loser. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway. I just think that this Warriors team is just so popular, and they have the NBA legacies in Curry and Klay Thompson. I once called them years years and years ago, like right at the beginning of this dynasty, maybe even before they won their first championship. I remember you can even like go back through my time hop and look for like old like podcast links that I sent out. the 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 podcast was: Are the Warriors the most likable team in the NBA? Yeah. And it was just it was I gave out the reasons because Curry and Thompson were NBA legacies. Their dads played in the league. I mean, we we knew about Steph when he was a little kid, right? Was, it, was this pre Kevin Durant? Yes, they were the most likable yes. team in the NBA at that point. Like they were the most like fun said, to this watch. Was, this was like before they won their first title, and, and I was like, this, this is a team that everybody seems to root for. No one has a bad thing to say I, about the Golden State dude, Warriors. I lived in Central Time, and I remember I would stay up late to watch shitty games between, like at the time, between Sacramento and Golden State because I oh, I just wanted to see Golden State play, and th- that was fun basketball to watch. And I was also at the time living in Houston where the alternative was watching James Harden play iso ball, <laughs> and it was significantly more fun to watch what Golden State was doing. So maybe that's how they bring some fans. Either way, what the NBA gets in their Western Conference Finals is a they're going to be able to market it as can the the young, fresh team, is it time for the old team to pass the torch? Whether that old team is the, the Lakers or the Warriors, whether the young team is right. the Suns or the Nuggets, 
which t- is is the young and hungry team ready to, to overpass the mm. young or the old lion? And I think that's a, that's a good storyline for the NBA. I think the NBA is going to be happy as long as it's not the Miami Heat in the finals. <laughs> like I, I think they'll be okay. Uh, I I think so. Uh, so now we take a look at what occurred also yesterday. By the way, real quick, who do you guys think uh, the Celtics are the favorite? They have a really easy path. Who do you think is the second favorite to win the title currently? In the NBA, Golden State Warriors. Yep, five to one. Nuggets wow. six to one. Suns six to one. Yeah. Uh, it makes sense. That absolutely makes sense. Wide open league. You know, while we're while we're at it, and I guess could have lost today in the first round, in the title favorites. I guess we should we should talk about the the Heat beat the Knicks one hundred eight one hundred one. I don't know how much of a story there is there. It's just game well, one. I thought the Knicks after the first quarter were going to run away with that game. It looked like they were. It looked like they'd already run away with it, and then they stopped playing basketball for the rest of the game. Uh, but t- tonight's games. The the seventy six or Celtics game, I'm seeing Boston minus ten. Yeah. Like what what percent does that put on Joel Embiid being able to play? Is it zero, almost zero? zero? It's zero percent. And you look at the series price, first the game one line moved, but now the series price is reflecting that he's probably, in my estimation, not gonna be there for game two. Oh man. This is such a bummer for the Sixers. This is like a the, the the fact that they got to rest and like you know right. prepare yep. for this and it still wasn't enough is a a, a real bummer for them. So, uh, yeah, no Embiid, probably Celtics just roll through this thing. But that's a, that's a bummer because I I thought that the Sixers at full health, I thought were much more alive than anybody was willing to give them credit for. So that's that's a bit disappointing. Uh, mentioned they are ten point favorites. The Nuggets minus four and a half. Yeah, hosting the Suns is that a surprising number to you? It is. It's a big market move from two and a half to three right before tip-off in game one. This is saying even though the Suns are going to be more motivated, they have the bounce back in their favor. Historically, teams that lose do better the next game. The Nuggets are that much better than we expected, at least the market thinks so, uh, to move it up to four and a half. It, it quite surprising to me, actually. But uh, Does this make you want to back the Suns? Like, I, I backed know you're the a Suns, Suns game one. I backed them for the series, and uh, I was quite surprised. So I'm, I'm – uh, I'm having my eyes wide open trying to figure out what I missed. Man, Suns 17 and 24 on the road this year, and the Nuggets obviously one of the better home teams, 34 and 7 in the What's regular season. What's the series season. price at right now? Let's see. It's got to be close to a a, a a pick, right? No, the Nuggets are going to be favored now. Because you said they had the same title odds, so I figured it's got to be at least close. No, it's it's funny. It's a, it's a good. Uh, it's it's uh, instructive. So the Nuggets are minus 160. The Suns are plus 140. But the market is saying. The Suns are a better team, we think, at, at their peak. But they're down a game. Right, so they're yeah. more, less likely to advance, but if they advance, more likely to win the championship. That, that makes some sense. Hmm. Thinking about that series price. On the Suns? Jump yeah. on the Suns with me, man. Yeah, I'm, think, I'm, thinking that's, I'm thinking that's it right now. I didn't realize the Suns were such a poor road team. But I guess a lot of that is without KD. Pre-Durant. Like, it, without Booker, too. He, he really went down for like 20 games that gets lost in the season. It, yeah, it's where they were like 4-16 and 16 or something. They're kind of like the Warriors last year. You almost have to yeah. kind of throw their numbers out the window, except they're the Warriors without the the pedigree of having done it before. Like So you're just hoping. And, and like they, the Warriors, they're really thin. They really can't have Durant or Booker not on the floor and compete. So that's, that's something to look out for. That's certainly interesting. All right, so uh, we get uh, game one in the East tonight and game two in the West. The NFL Draft has come and gone. And no, we're not going to sit here and give you draft grades on all the teams, but if you had to pick one squad after this past weekend, AJ, that you think comes out looking the best, and maybe this is a team that you're intrigued on placing a futures bet on, who's that team after the draft weekend? The New York Jets. Because of the Aaron Rodgers official no, signing? No, I was just making that up to make you or feel Or Will good. McDonald? No, I having, actually, having a farm? I would actually kill myself if I was a Jets fan. Uh, I would say <laughs> the Eagles. It's got to be the Eagles, right? It's. I think so because it's not just the drafting of some really good defensive players from the Georgia Bulldogs, but the trade for DeAndre Swift. I think that needs to be talked about more. This was the Eagles now in, I guess, was it back-to-back seasons? Was it last year they, they yep. made the trade for A.J. Brown? Yep, on draft day. So back-to-back seasons now, Howie Roseman has gone out and gotten an elite wide receiver, and I don't know if we can call him elite, but certainly a Pro Bowl caliber running back in DeAndre Swift. Yeah, it, it was in kind of the Lions did him a favor there by drafting Jameer Gibbs and and making that possible. But mm-hmm. but I think the Eagles' commitment to to defense uh, for a team that's already pretty strong on defense, 
They have the quarterback that they trust on the other side. They want to keep building up on that defensive side. I, I actually dig it quite a bit. So uh, they continue to impress me by and listen. I think a lot of it is we know the, all the we know all of these guys because we saw all these guys winning championships. Mm-hmm. So it's like it, sometimes you you can be kind of lulled in. As an NFL fan, by on draft day, they draft guys you've heard of before, or you've seen a lot of, and you're like, oh, that guy's good at football because I see him on TV a lot. Georgia Bulldogs are on TV a lot. Yep. But guess what? There's a reason why they were on TV a lot. They were really, really good. And, and getting those guys is, to me, it's about as, as good as they could have done. Now, health is obviously always going to be the issue with DeAndre Swift, but when he plays, he's dynamic. And the Eagles won't ask him to be – and every down back for them, the Eagles' backfield, they have depth. You know, you look at what Kenneth Gainwell was able to do for this team in the postseason last year, and you now envision a a running back tandem of a guy like DeAndre Swift and the versatility of someone like Kenneth Gainwell, or even, you know, Boston Scott still hanging around there in the Eagles' backfield as well. It seems like they have guys that can catch the ball out of the backfield and certainly make guys miss in the open field. Well, here's the other thing. When you have the ninth pick in the draft and you're a team that was in the Super Bowl a year ago, it's hard not to feel like that team is is going to come out looking great because at that point you're just at, you're adding like high-end talent to a team that's that's close mm-hmm. as it is. So that that Bears trade it still pays dividends to this day because I don't think we'd be talking about the Eagles like this if they just had the 31st pick in the draft. And if it was just DeAndre Swift getting the trade. Yeah, I, I think But the it's, fact it's it's Jalen Carter, it's um, – who else did they draft? Um, Nolan Smith. Nolan Smith. Jaylen Ringo. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I, I, I think this is – like what it does is it lets the Eagles – the Eagles know that their window is here. They're They're in their window. They're pushing their chips in. And we saw the Rams do this a couple years ago, and, and it worked out. Uh, like, who who gives a damn about future draft picks mm-hmm. right now? Like, right now, you need to be thinking about how can we give – like, what can we do to this team to push it over the top? And it this, this weekend felt like the Eagles trying to do just that. What's the updated Super Bowl odds now for the Philadelphia Eagles? What was the change, McKenzie, from yeah. – pre-draft weekend to post-draft weekend. So right here in Vegas at the Westgate, they were 9-1 to entering the draft. They're now 7-1. to They leapfrogged the Bills and the 49ers to be the second favorite in the league. Wow. Now that says something. Only the Chiefs have better odds. Yeah, the so they're favorite, obviously the, the favorite in the uh, in the NFC. That's That says something. I think people are buying in. Yeah, like I said, it's the trade and it's the, uh, the, high, the, the draft selections. They got better on defense and – this is going to be a good team. I was listening to Nick Sirianni and Howie Roseman do a press conference. They talked about the players that they drafted from Georgia and the the fact that they're all comfortable playing with each other and trust each other. It leads to them having to do less team-building work because it allows them just to transition to the NFL without having to worry about the camaraderie with the teammates because you already have it. I honestly think this is like a new way of drafting in the NFL. And, yes, it's easy to just say, go out there and draft all Alabama players. Go out there and draft all Georgia players, right? Go out there and look at the best college football team and just just draft their players. But picking guys, especially in a certain unit, like now if you have two linebackers that played together in college, there's a trust factor there. There's a comfort. There's a feel. There's a... a, a, um, Nonverbal, certain genesequois. You know what I'm talking about? It's like a nonverbal language. Like they have a feel for each other. I know where you're going to be on the field. You know where I'm going to be on the field. And it's just it goes a long way. Like we've seen sometimes it takes it takes guys that need to fit into systems. And well, if you're running a similar system to what these guys ran in college, it helps. And if you got players that have worked with you in the past. It helps. And the Eagles now recreating a Georgia defense that was best in the country over the past two years, I think is a good sign for them moving forward. And, and I think the, the numbers that McKenzie gave out there, like jumping the Bills, jumping the uh, the 49ers, I think that's warranted. And especially when you consider that 
you know, the Bills and 49ers, if you if you scour all the experts' grades of the of those two teams' drafts, there's not a lot of people saying great things about what, what those no. two teams did this weekend. I mean, not at all. 40, 49ers drafted a slow safety, a kicker, and a blocking tight end with their first few picks. Nice. The, the, <laughs> the Bills, like, traded up to get a tight end right after they paid their tight end, like, a massive ex- – like, there's people saying, what the hell are these teams doing – nobody's saying that about the Eagles. Everybody's like, wow, look what the Eagles are doing. So, and not that rookies are are enough to like, to me, to, to sway who's a Super Bowl contender and who's not, but the Eagles were close. The Bills were close. The 49ers were close. The only team that feels like they got closer this weekend amongst that group is the Philadelphia Eagles. If <laughs> I know uh, we talk about sometimes bridge jumper bets, mm-hmm. things to make, nothing is ever a sure thing. But the Philadelphia Eagles to make the playoffs at minus 340 is a bet that I would say should be like minus 500 at least because this team's making the playoffs. Yeah. I mean, I think those those numbers are what they are because there's always – like Jalen Hurts is a Obviously, guy who could – don't say that. He's on my fantasy team. Okay. But so yeah, my, my dynasty well, team. When you drafted him on your dynasty team, you probably said – this guy plays the style of football that will probably lead to be him being hurt one day. Like, it's, and I'm sure the Eagles are thinking the same thing. Like, man, it's really awesome how good we are when Jalen Hurts is here. We know eventually he's going to get hurt. Uh, the Ravens think that same thing every year about Lamar. J- I'm sure the Bills have started like going, oh, when is when's this going to happen with Josh Allen? So when you have quarterbacks that move like that, it. it well, that's why they the just e- they get hurt, and that's why the Eagles did a you know signed Marcus Mariota to be the backup because he can run the same. Marcus Mariota, Marcus Mariota sucks at football, but that's uh, why he's <laughs> a backup. I, that's what I'm saying. Like, he it's he's still he's bad enough now that if if you have to ride with him for four or five weeks, it, like you don't feel comfortable anymore. I think we saw that last year about Marcus Mariota. He, he's not a he, he's barely a, a viable NFL backup at this point. So we still agree, though, Eagles won the draft? Or the I think draft so. Weekend? Well, uh, RJ will probably argue for the Ravens. Because uh, Lamar. Yeah, yeah it looks like you're nothing without a quarterback, Ra- I guess. Ravens had a great draft, as they always do. It's a marvel do, every year. As they always do. No, I, I, I think the Eagles won the draft. I, I think the Texans doing what they did is impressive. I know there's people who are complaining about how much they gave up. Listen, and if you if you consider that when they, they do the – uh, compensation and and they do the the grade and this is what it really should have cost. Okay, the problem is they're saying they they tr- they this is what they traded to get a defensive end. But if you look at it the other way and say this is what they traded to get a quarterback, it's not nearly as onerous. And because they took those guys two three, it didn't really matter what order they took him in. They decided these were the two players they wanted. And they went out and got them. And they had luxury picks left over from the Deshaun Watson deal. I, I, that's how they decided to spend them. So be it. You, you can't win with Davis Mills. And then you got who, who I think is in the discussion for the best player in the draft at, at pick number three. So I, I like what the Texans did, did to start rebuilding their, their team. They've got a long way to go. Mm-hmm. So it's a little different than looking at them at the Eagles where you can say, wow, the Eagles, are they, they went from this close to now, you know, they might be the best team, uh, where the Texans, they started from a, a pretty low point. For the first time I can remember, the Texans are not the lowest team in terms of Super Bowl odds. Cardinals are worse. Buccaneers are worse. They actually went from 200 to 1 to 100 to 1. That's a pretty big move. That's a massive, yeah. massive move. Probably not going to win it, though. Oh, they might. You never know. <laughs> what do we, they won't. What do we uh, make of the Titans drafting Will Levis? They trade up for the, in the second round. They take Will Levis with the second overall pick in the second round. And have now drafted quarterbacks in consecutive drafts. Well, with Malik Willis last year and Will Levis now. What do you think that tells you about how they feel about Malik Willis? I think they think that it's they think that they, this was a dis- that it was a bust. Yeah, it was this a bust didn't of a move. Uh, I I think you're right. Uh, I, I I heard some people say that Will Levis didn't fall in the draft. This is where Will Levis was supposed to go in the draft. Second round, yeah. And it kind of makes sense to me. And for a team like Tennessee. It kind of makes sense to me. Uh, you have this quarterback in Ryan Tannehill that's going to be here next year. He's going to play more. You know, he's probably going to stink. He's not getting any better, but he's paid. So you're going to ride that out, and it gives you an opportunity with Levis and Malik Willis to let them compete, see who's more ready. And maybe at the end of this season, because I don't think the Titans are a playoff team, at the end of this season, 
you can say, okay, Tannehill, you've done the job. Rest easy, young friend, and we're going to let one of these boys go in here and do it. Uh, and whoever's been better between Levis and Willis, like that seems to be the quarterback going forward. And I would imagine they're really hoping it's Will Levis because I think they've seen enough out of Malik Willis to know that but they at least saw enough to know they mm-hmm. needed to draft a quarterback in round two. So their general manager, Ron Carthon, says, uh, quote, he was a player that was highly ranked on our board and we had the opportunity to trade up. So why not do it? It was a chance to improve our football team. Levis will start off as our third quarterback. From there, it's on him. Mike Vrabel added, quote, Ryan will be the starting quarterback on Monday. Malik will be the backup. Will will be the third quarterback. What I've told them is whatever happens after that will be up to the player. Well, yeah, teams often draft a guy early in the second round to make him their third string quarterback. Like they, they don't even give him a helmet. Usually they just say, hey, man, here's a ball cap. Uh, be ready to relax. all your-. Yeah, it's easy to say that now that he's the third. He. They're not drafting him to be the third string quarterback. Mm-hmm. They they would prefer if they might prefer him to to find a way to start this year. I I don't know, but there's the the intention of drafting him is, man, we really missed on this Malik Willis thing. The Tannehill era is not getting any better at this point. Uh, we need to move on. You know, every once in a while, I'll be sitting at home and saying, "What are we going to cook for dinner? What are we going to cook for?" It, my wife says, "I don't know." And then guess what happens? Omaha Steaks comes by and drops meat off on my front porch and makes all the decisions that much easier, Scott. Meat to your front porch? Can't beat it, baby. Doesn't get better than that. I had the meatballs last night, and they were delicious, man. It was easy to cook, reheat in the oven, and bang, dinner is served. It's steaks, it's chicken, it's pork chops, it's it's meatballs, like you said. They've got sides. So much great stuff. Guys, they've got a great sale going on right now. The Omaha Steaks semi-annual sale is here. It's a sale so nice, they only do it twice. Score mouth-watering savings on all your Omaha Steaks favorites with 50% off site-wide during that semi-annual sale going on right now. From tender, juicy steaks to big, beefy burgers, scrumptious sides, decadent desserts, and so much more, now's the perfect time to grab all your favorites. Plus, get an extra $30 off when you use our promo code VEGAS at checkout, and every purchase is backed by their unconditional money-back guarantee. Simply go to omahasteaks.com and shop the semi-annual sale today. That's omahasteaks.com, promo code VEGAS at checkout. Minimum purchase may apply. Listen, we get it. You're busy. You got work to do, kids to take care of. Got to get to the gym at some point. And make sure you're drinking enough water and figuring out what's for dinner is a whole nother project. Yeah, point is, you're busy. You don't have time for 10 minutes of commercials or scripted dating segments on your morning commute. That's why we created The Morning Show Podcast. I'm Carla Marie. My name is Anthony, and The Morning Show Podcast is a daily podcast aimed at keeping you informed and entertained in under 25 minutes. We kick off every show with the core four. It's the four biggest news stories that you should probably be aware of. And then we continue on with music games, pop culture news. And of course, what's trending, the thing you didn't know you needed until Carla Marie told you about it. Yeah, it's my favorite. You can get the Morning Show podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you get your shows. For the second time in the last five seasons, the President's Trophy winner, the team with the best record in the NHL's regular season, has been eliminated. Beat it. You're out. In the first round of the Stanley Cup playoffs. The Bruins, who set a record this year with 65 wins in the regular season. Does that sound like a lot? They play 82 games. They're the best. They're the greatest. 65 wins and 135 points. Matching up in the first round against a wild card team, the Florida Panthers, who had 92 points. McKenzie, I'm not that good at math, but 135 minus 92. That's got to be like 40-something, right? 43. 43 points. Here's the calculator is the difference between these two teams. And guess what? The Bruins had a 3-1 series lead. Mackenzie, what's the stats on NHL teams in the Stanley Cup playoffs to have a three games to one lead? How many times does the team down 3-1 come back to win? 9% of the time. Oh, that's not a lot. Yeah, 24 out of 254. It's more than eight. So Now 25. So... 24 out of how many? 254. Out of 254. And now I have the 
135-point-getting, 65-winning games. Four home losses all year. In regulation. Okay. No, no, they, yeah. <laughs> you, you look at this team and you think, wait, they're going to blow a three games to one lead? That's exactly what happened. <laughs> the Panthers, here in game seven yesterday, tie the game with under a minute left, empty net, barely under a minute left. They score and tie the game. And then in overtime, Carter for Carter Verhage gets the game winner. Made up guy. As the Panthers eliminate the Bruins four to three, and it is one of the more shocking eliminations in recent sports memory. Uh, if you look at like the history of incredible regular season teams to fall in the playoffs, you have like the Mariners, two thousand one, set the record, right? Each Rose rookie year. Each Rose rookie year, they had eight All Stars on that team. They won one hundred and sixteen games during the regular season, and they lose to the Yankees. Four games to one. Um, I'm trying to, uh, the seventeen and zero Patriots, right? Losing the Super Bowl to the Giants. They were remember that last game of the regular season was uh, interesting too. But besides that, this would be. I'm trying to think of like any other comparison that didn't happen. I mean, I guess you could say, what if like the seventy three and nine Warriors lost in the first round? You know what it's like because I'm because you know what I'm trying to say is like a seven game series is yeah. different. And I guess in baseball, it's like you're only as good as your next day's starting pitcher. Pitcher can get hot, like the like the Yankees losing uh, a 3-0 lead, right? Yeah, that was historic. But when you kind of think about it, it's like, well, it only took one game because then it was Pedro, then it was Kurt Schilling. And it's like you can kind of see how it all came together. But in a sport like hockey where the, the Bruins, you mentioned it, only four regulation losses all season at home, seven total losses at home this season, a goal differential of 128, and they lose a three games to one lead? In round one. In round one. Like, at least the Mariners won a series. The Patriots, you mentioned, made it to the Super Bowl. Yeah. This team reminds me of the 14-2 Ravens, 2019. Lose right away as seven-point favorites to the Titans. It seems like that. We're like, immediately they're out. What was the odds? Before the series started, the Bruins, they had to have been like, it was like minus 300, something like that, Yeah, right? minus 340. Minus 340. And they lose. What was it when they were up 3-1? Do you remember? Oh, I it was, I would have guessed it was at least minus 1,000. At least, yeah. Yeah, and it would have to be 3-1, the history of 3-1. And then the fact that what game, you know, they were up three games to one and you're uh, you're coming back home for game number five. I mean, think about that. This is a team that lost seven home games all season, they lost three of the four home games that they played in this series. Why? What What happened? They lost game two at home, then they lose game five, and they lose game number seven. What happened yeah, was... Yeah, what do you think happened? I think there was a breakdown defensively. Uh, you know, Linus Allmark, who is going to win the Vesna Trophy, is the best goaltender in the NHL, had a very bad series. They actually started Jeremy Swayman, in game seven, who I thought played well up until it's it's amazing. It's like you say the guy didn't play well. Well, if that shot with a minute left in the game doesn't go in and Boston wins this three to two, everyone's talking about how great Swayman was and how incredible of a decision it was by Jim Montgomery to make a switch and go to Swayman for game seven. But the puck squeaks in and that's all she wrote. It's amazing, right? How things change. It really is, and it's funny. I, I saw on Twitter.com. Uh, That's a website. And it could just be angry, bitter Bruins fans, but talking about. Those exist. Um, we were always kind of a paper tiger, lots of uh, shootout wins and overtime losses that we got points for. The best regular season team of all time was was kind of over overblown. Um, yeah, but if they win this series, they're saying best regular season. Yeah, you're probably of all right. Yeah. You're probably right. It, and I will say this: like, just a really cool first round of the NHL playoffs for someone who's like about as you know a, a casual fan as you can possibly get. But like the Leafs finally breaking their curse, mm-hmm. Kraken advancing for the first time in history, the Bruins, the historically good team, getting knocked out. We've got a, a a New Jersey New York game seven tonight. Uh, it, it's fun for me. I, I, I'm I'm enjoying some of this stuff. So yeah, uh, 
And we've had overtime games in the NHL. The we've had, um, I, I want to say, the amount fourteen games out of forty nine. I think we've had forty nine playoff games, and then fourteen of them have gone to overtime. I would also guess, and Mackenzie, maybe you can hit us with the the most updated odds. The fact that the Bruins and the Avalanche lost last night, bounced out in round one. Mm-hmm. The the Stanley Cup odds have to have dramatically shifted from yeah, the two favorites were out and and. It's funny. I had said it. Now, there's a lot of things I've gotten wrong in these Stanley Cup playoffs, although I am going to like claim victory that I did say that the seven Rangers were, was going to go to seven games. Uh, but, Mackenzie, you asked me, would I take the Bruins or the field? And right. I said, I'm not betting the Bruins. And then when we talked about why the—I didn't understand why the Avalanche were the second favorites. I never thought that they should have been the favorites. I thought they were better teams in the Western Conference. And now you look at the way that this playoffs could play out. The winner of this Rangers-Devils game tonight, and the Rangers are 10-1 to to win the Stanley Cup. The Devils are 11-1 to to win the Stanley Cup. The winner of this Rangers-Devils game tonight, game seven, is going to the Stanley Cup final. You're calling it. Yeah. Because... They will match up in the next round with Carolina. Both the Rangers and the Devils are better than the Hurricanes. They've played them well this season. It's division opponent. They're they're more equipped. Both these teams equipped for the postseason. Carolina doesn't have a score. They've had they've had injuries to their players. Like Ajo's great, but losing Terravine earlier a couple of months ago. It's like they're just they're reliant on their defense, and that's it. They got lucky that they played an Islanders team in the first round that really doesn't score, and they they were able to win that series. Rangers, Devils, both are—either team's going to beat the Hurricanes. And then it's either going to be Toronto— Who are the Stanley Cup favorites? Or the Panthers? I'm sorry, but Rangers and Devils, the winner of this game tonight— is winning the next two series. So you're going to bet both of them, 12 to 1, 14 to 1 you can get? I would I would lay that. I would do that. Or or just bet them to win the Eastern Conference. There you go. As opposed to Mac VGK is winning. I don't know. I was, gonna, I, I was going to let him know, but I don't know if he yeah. Although, listen. Remember on the Dream Pod when I gave the criteria for a Stanley Cup champion? I met the criteria, but I was not selected. Two of the teams that I had said out of the three teams, the Bruins were one of them, now they're out. The other two teams that I said meet the criteria the New Jersey Devils, the Dallas Stars. Now with Colorado out, the Dallas Stars look like the play in the Western Conference. You can get them plus 550 to win the whole thing. Two Canadian teams are the favorites, Toronto and Edmonton. Does the curse end? No Canadian team has won since You're like, the Canadians no, I just in told 93. You the Devils and the Stars. Yeah. I did say, though, that this was going to be the year. I thought Edmonton has been my darling all along, and I can't. I can't remember how many times I've said this is going to be this could be the year that Canada snaps it, and it it would be because of Edmonton. It's not going to be because of Toronto. It would be because of Edmonton. Connor McDavid is the best player on planet Earth, and their offense is just scary good. They could score as many goals as they want in the could, course of could a he game. go down as the best hockey player ever? He's young enough. I think yeah. you, you got to win cups. I'm best I, ever. Well, it's, no. it's tough to no, take no, down Gretzky. No play. one's ever going to take down yeah, Gretzky. There's no point in having that but, conversation. But to be in the conversation, like Sidney Crosby has done enough. He's put, he put himself in the conversation, right? Crosby's a top five player all time. Um, I think you can get into that conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When you're there the best is no, in the there world, is no conversation already. for the best ever. But that's that's oh. the thing. Like when a guy like it's like Gretzky and Mariano Rivera. It's like when you when you talk about you know those guys, they're. The, the 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 debate is without them. Okay, it's like when you go on to uh, to like DraftKings or FanDuel in yeah. New Jersey, and you want to bet on a team to win like the college, the NCAA championship, and it says here are the futures odds without New Jersey schools because right. yeah. you can't bet on Jersey schools. That's here's the conversation about the greatest ever without Gretzky. Because so, so that's Ovechkin, they they, Crosby, yeah, the, Lemieux, yeah, yeah. You know, uh, Gordy Howe. Like these are the type of players. That and I guess that's my about. question: McDavid's as good as any of those guys. When it's all said and done, I mean, he's twenty-six, well. but he yeah, has been in his career. When he's all, yeah, he's on a trajectory right now. We're talking about a multi-time, a multi, multiple MVP winner at twenty-six years old. 
He plays 10 more you years. Know what, you know what you needed to cement it? You needed some hardware. Yes. You, this year. You need, well, he has international hardware, but he needs NHL hardware. But you, you go out and you play 10 more years? Uh, yeah, he could have quite himself a uh, career. So can Connor Bedard. He's, 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 so everything's still in front of him for uh, you know, his tenure. So let's take a look at what we have on the schedule Oh, let's talk about the other game. Yes, the Kraken did beat the Avalanche 2-1, to one, their first playoff appearance for the Kraken, and the Kraken did win, eliminating the Stanley Cup champion Colorado Avalanche. 2-1 to one was the final. Worth noting, both Game 7s won by the road teams. The road teams have just dominated this uh, postseason in the NHL. It, it, well, the first round, uh, the road teams, 31-18. and 18. In the first round of the Stanley Cup playoffs. 31 and 18. Yeah. Up 18 units just been road teams. That's pretty incredible. That's in- Does that keep yeah. going in round two, you think? I don't know. Because it does seem like there would be less think- parity as the thing Exactly, goes on because on. you would think that the teams that are advancing are the better teams. But they're not. So but I mean, we just mentioned the two pre the two preseason or pre- but aren't, aren't, they, aren't they if they're winning? You know, if 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 they're winning are, on the Are the, road, the Panthers better than the Bruins? No. <laughs> aren't they? But they were in this series. <laughs> you can't argue that. No. They were, and they won four out of seven games. Uh, the Kraken, what, I've been so impressed by this team. Did you know that they've scored first in every single game in that series? Ah, it's a good stat. Never heard that before. Yeah. yeah. They should keep doing that. Have you seen the series price yet? For which? Dallas-Seattle. Dallas, I'm gonna. I have not. I'm gonna guess Dallas minus one sixty. Minus one seventy, pretty close. All close, right. close, okay. close. Okay, okay. Uh, Panthers, Maple Leafs. I will say Toronto, at least minus two hundred. No, shorter than that. Minus one seventy. Really? Same price. There you go. Really? Yep. Wow, that's surprising to me. I would think the Leafs would be heavier favorites than the Panthers. What about VGK? Th- then. Edmonton? VGK's the dog. I don't like to see that. Edmonton's mm. minus 150. Yeah, but I heard a lot of people saying Edmonton may be the favorites to win this thing now. Like, they are. Yeah, they should it's, be. Uh, all right. They should be. All right. We'll see. We'll we see, got, Edmonton. We got a game seven tonight. Rangers and Devils. Give me the line on this bad boy. Devils minus 120. Okay. You back in, you back in the red and blue? I think the last game that we saw from the Rangers on Saturday – was the best game we've seen all, all all series from any team. As cuz think about it. The Rangers won games 1 and 2 by 5-1 scores. It didn't they weren't dominant in that game. I mean, yes, they 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 beat up on Vitek Vanacek who did not have a good series. It prompted the goaltender switch and it was a smart move. Smart move by Devils head coach Lindy Ruff. Devils win the next game 2 to 1 in overtime. Goaltending battle, even game, flip a coin. Even the 3-1 win in the next game was as even as you're going to get, right? Rangers had a 1-0 lead going into the third period, and then Devils tie it, Devils take a lead, and then add an empty netter. Very, very close game. I went into, I came out of those two games thinking Rangers lost two coin flip games. That's why I bet the Rangers in game five, and they got beat. And that was the game where I was like, whoa, they got to change something up. That game six performance was as dominant a performance as we saw in this series. The Rangers were the more aggressive team. They were the faster team. And they got to Akira Schmid for the first time this series, and he got pulled. They pulled him in the third period. Beat it. I think they go back to him. I don't think you can go back to Vanacek, but it's got to be a good sign for the Rangers Showing that, you know, you got to this 22-year-old kid who was shook up after having his first bad game. And maybe you can get to him early in game seven thinking you could pick on some of those nerves again, right? Yeah. The other thing that you should keep in mind, and this is why, this is part of the handicap that I gave out when I picked the Rangers in game six. Facing elimination, that's where playoff experience comes into play more so than in any other game of your series, right? How do you play with your backs against the wall? If you've never been there before, it's hard to judge how you're going to look. 
if you have been there before and we've seen it before, now you know what you can expect from this team. Last year, the Rangers went to seven games with the Pittsburgh Penguins, came back from a three games to one deficit and won that series. In the second round last year, went to seven games against the Carolina Hurricanes and won. They were down three games to two in that series, one game six and game seven. And then they had an incredible start to the conference finals against Tampa, wind up blowing the two games to none lead. Happens, Tampa was going to their third straight Stanley Cup, right? Give, give them a break. Yeah. Plus the Rangers were just gassed after playing two straight seven-game series. The experience in game sevens matter. The experience facing elimination matters. And having the multiple Stanley Cup champions on the Rangers roster, guys like Goodrow, guys like uh, Kane, guys like Tarasenko, that's going to be the difference in this game tonight. Does it sound like a best bet, Mac? It does. Rangers, best bet? Rangers win tonight. Playoff experience matters. Rangers win. And we see the trend of the road teams winning in game seven continue. As the Panthers and Kraken did it last night, the Rangers will do it tonight. And then your 10 to 1 ticket on the Rangers to win the Stanley Cup is still alive. But I should say that if the Devils win, your 11 to 1 Stanley Cup ticket still, still alive. Very, still very much alive. Because, like I said, the winner of this Rangers Devils game tonight will win the Eastern Conference and go to the Stanley Cup final. You heard it here first, second, and third. What a great Sunday it was for the getaway day system, boys. For clarification, the getaway day system is when a team is looking to avoid the sweep in a getaway day spot against a team that has to play in another city the next day. So, for example, Mariners looking to avoid the sweep against the Blue Jays, and the Blue Jays have to travel to Boston to play a game tonight. That is the getaway day system. Mariners win 10-8. They avoid the sweep, and it qualifies as the getaway day system. We also had the A's winning, avoiding the sweep against the Reds, the Reds who are traveling to uh, play in San Diego tonight. So uh, that was a good win for the system, which now improves itself to 13-10 and 10 on the year, plus 5.74 units. The other thing is there were several games that, didn't qualify because the teams didn't have to travel for games tonight, but they do have games on Tuesday. So if you were like inquiring, like, ah, maybe I'll play those nationals avoided the sweep beating the pirates. You had um, the angels, the angels avoiding the sweep beating the brewers, the white Sox avoiding a sweep beating the Rays. That snapped a very, very long losing streak for Chicago. I, this team is such a disappointment. There's a lot of disappointments right now. In uh, Major League Baseball, um, also the Rockies avoiding a sweep against the Diamondbacks. Just lots of sweep avoidance going on yesterday in Major League Baseball. I talk about teams that are disappointing. AJ, the Yankees are in last place. Ooh. And as the calendar flips to May 1st today, if I told you before the season started that on May 1st, the Yankees would be in last place, what would your reaction be? <sighs> I I would have been. You wouldn't have made that bet. No, considering the way not. they started the season last no, year. No, definitely not. You wouldn't have made that bet that the Yankees would be in last place. No, especially after I looked at the uh, the payrolls mm-hmm. for the uh, the Orioles and the Rays. I would yeah. have said no, no way. Well, after the first month of the season, the Yankees are in last place, fifteen and fourteen. The Rays have the best record in baseball, twenty three and six. Your second best record in all of Major League Baseball as we turn the calendar to May. The Pittsburgh Pirates at 20 to 9. Would you have made that bet? No, certainly not. Here's a question for you. Are the New York Yankees bad at baseball? No. The New York Yankees just aren't fielding the New York Yankees lineup. Gotcha. Right now. Let me read you the lineup for the Yankees 15 to 2 loss against the Texas Rangers on Sunday. Leading off Anthony Volpe. All right. Volpe's there, rookie shortstop, and he has earned the right to bat leadoff. You know, we uh we What's he hitting? Is he we applaud him or are we just still Is he on his Hall of Fame trajectory? He's hitting two seventeen on the year. Uh, okay. Yeah. I just want to make sure we're we're still overhyping yeah, 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 Yankees yeah. prospects. Okay, above properly. the Men- above, are we still retiring his number? Above the Mendoza line. Batting second, 
Oswald Peraza. Another Hall of Fame trajectory. I bet he's there. hitting better than 217. <laughs> no, 172. Oh, uh, just kidding. Yeah. Batting third. Oswald, come on. Batting third, Anthony Rizzo getting a half day off. As the Rizzler. The, as the designated hitter. Okay. Batting fourth, batting cleanup is DJ LeMahieu. All right. They gave him a you know, lot of money. Traditional, traditional uh, uh, you know, cleanup hitter. They gave him a lot of money. Then Glaber Torres batting fifth. He's in the everyday lineup. That makes sense. Then we have Oswaldo Cabrera. A second Oswaldo. What? No, one's an Oswald, oh, one's okay. an Oswaldo. That makes perfect sense. Yeah. Then. then Isaiah Kiner-Falefa playing center field. Kyle Higashioka behind the plate. And Aaron Hicks and his 159 oh, Aaron, batting average. Aaron Hicks isn't retired. The well, Yan- is Brett Gardner unavailable? <laughs> <Yeah>. The Yankee <laughs> lineup that they rolled out yesterday had one player batting over 250. And that player is Anthony Rizzo batting 282 on the year. It's not ideal if you're the Yankees. Not ideal. They are just a banged up team right now. But also, let's not play the, oh my gosh, I can't believe Giancarlo Stanton's not in the lineup a month into the season. Yes. Like, we, okay, this is not surprising. Yes. But if Stanton, they're missing Stanton. Obviously, Judge now getting some days off with the, with the hip injuries. This is just not, you know, Josh Donaldson hasn't, he's only played five games this year. So you get those three players back, all of a sudden, your lineup looks a lot deeper. But let's also say this. If I had told you coming into the season that you would be saying, man, I wish Josh Donaldson was back in the lineup, what would your <laughs> thoughts been? Uh, I'd say, what team is he playing for? <laughs> exactly. But, yeah, you know. Uh, it's desperation time for Yankees fans. They're like, please, God, give me Josh Donaldson back so we can get rid of one of these Oswaldos. Yeah, he's a gold glove third baseman. I mean, why not? Uh, yes, so the Yankees just need to get healthy, and then they'll be much better. Uh, other surprises, if you want to call it that, as we head into May, in first place in the American League West, the Texas Rangers. And no surprise, Jacob DeGrom's hurt. Oh, yeah. uh, but the Texas Rangers in first place in the ALS. The Arizona Diamondbacks in first place in the NL West. How about that, boys? It's funny. Like, I, when all of those divisions, there was a prohibitive favorite. So I'll ask you, like, who should be most concerned, Dodgers, Astros, or Yankees, about where they where they stand now, and are they going to be able? I mean, maybe the Yankees shouldn't even be in this conversation. Of should will they be able to win the division? Because it almost feels like the Rays are just going to run yeah, away with it. The Yankees should be the most concerned because the Rays are going to win the division, and now they're battling for one of the wild card spots with Orioles, Blue Jays, and and I don't think the Red Sox would be in it, but Orioles and Blue Jays, and then. But are are the Dodgers and Astros still elite, I guess, is the question I'm asking. The Astros, same thing. When they get healthier, they'll be better. Altuve makes them so much better. Jordan Alvarez was out a couple of games, and he comes back. So, Astros, according to the odds, should be the least worried. They're still minus yes. 65 to win. And, and, I, and I would agree with that. Dodgers, I don't, I don't, honestly, I don't know who the Dodgers are, really. Minus um, 130 to win the NL West. I, I think the Padres are really good. Um, I think Arizona is sneaky. Um, I don't, 15 to 1. Mm-hmm. They're 15 to 1. Uh, well, Arizona's not winning the division. It's either going to be the Padres or the Dodgers. Okay. Speaking of the Padres, they just finished a series in Mexico City where Griffin and I talked about this on the uh, Griffin Warner and I in the Major League Baseball podcast. The, the total for the first game on Saturday, it wasn't on the board when we discussed it. it I said it should have been about 14 or 15 <laughs> because of the elevation. In Mexico City. We have also seen Major League Baseball when they play these games, whether it's the Little League World Series game or when the Yankees and Red Sox played in London. The ball travels a little bit further in those games that they're trying to grow the game because fans like home runs. So I'm not saying that there's something about the baseball, but let's just say that there's something about the baseball. There's something about the baseball, but also elevation. Comes into play. We're talking about over 2,000 feet higher than playing at Coors Field in Colorado with fences that are 325 down the lines and 400 in center field. You knew there was going to be home runs. And we had a classic Fez moment on Friday, AJ, when it came to this first game on Saturday between the Padres and the Giants in Mexico City. Yeah, he he tweeted out, bet as much as you can on the over right now. There were some books that posted an eight and a half. 
I had access to one of those books, yet somehow I was limited to a $40 wager yeah, cause, on an it, MLB total. Because it was wrong. The, it, it got flagged right away because it, I think it probably just took them a little bit to uh, realize their traders realizing, hey, the game is in Mexico City and we have to adjust. Yeah. And they put the game up and then took the game off. So I made my $40 wager, went back, tried to do it again. The game was gone. Exactly. And um, when it resurfaced, I believe it was 14 and a half. 14 and a half. And it still wasn't high enough. Well, what would 27 runs? Get 27 <laughs> runs got scored in this game. And honestly, I think Major League Baseball should be embarrassed. Uh, the game closed with a total of 15 and a half. This is not Major League Baseball. Uh, I, there was a play, I think it was, man, who was it? Uh, there was somebody, one of the home runs that was hit, they were showing the stat cast of it, right? I think it was Tatis's home run. And stat cast said that it should have been 300 and like 308 feet, right? And you're like, wait a minute. The ball went like four rows or five rows into the crowd. So how does StatCast say it, it? The fence is 325, but it says it should have only went. Yeah, because the launch angle and the exit velo is what StatCast uses to predict like what it should, what the what the play should have resulted in. And did, did, did StatCast account for uh, Tatis's, Tatis being like a gearhead and being all roided out of his mind? No, 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 no. Not oh. the muscles. But seriously, with the, <laughs> with, with, the, with, the, with the launch angle and the exit velo, that ball should not be a home run. But at 7,000 to 8,000 feet elevation and thin air, the ball carried, and it wound up being a home run. So in the game, we had uh, – it was a home run derby between the, the Giants and the Padres. It ends up 27 runs. So the books massively overcorrect themselves on Sunday. And they say, we're going to make the total 19 and a half, or we're going to make the total 20 and a half. And what happens? Game goes under. Of course. Easily. 6-4 finish. You know, only 10 runs scored as the Padres uh, win that game. You know, maybe they uh, tossed in a couple of deader baseballs or, or left them in the humidors a little longer. I don't know. Well, I just, I just want to thank Fezzik for that $40 because I, I, I wouldn't yeah. have known about it otherwise. So uh, kudos to Fez, and he, he got me a winner there. So let me ask you something now. As we look at the schedule tonight, the Padres are home against the Reds. We usually look at football teams playing in Denver and then traveling, and it's like, you know, if they had a Thursday night game that week, it's probably bad for them. Or, you know, we look at teams that travel west coast to or west coast to east coast, east coast to west coast in Major League Baseball, and I think not a good situation for them. Padres are traveling from extreme elevation in Mexico City to now coming home and playing a game tonight. They're minus 240 favorites against the Reds. I'm not saying the Reds are going to win, but I don't want to lay 240 with the Padres. If anything, I'd look towards the under, the under nine. Maybe we get some fatigued bats. Maybe some guys are still swinging for the fences, thinking that the ball's going to carry, and it's just not going to carry. So it's just not just not a game I want to be a part of, certainly not for a minus 240. Same thing with the Giants. Giants travel to Houston from yeah. Mexico City yesterday to now play in Houston. I I don't want any part of the San Francisco Giants. And Mike Yastrzemski is going to be on the shelf, too. Houston minus 195. I know they played on Sunday Night Baseball, and, but it's not a fade because they didn't travel. But I really like Houston in this game tonight. Speaking of the Sunday Night Baseball fade, that would be the Phillies, who were in Houston last night. Now will travel to L.A. and play the Dodgers tonight on the road. Taiwan Walker, Tony Gonsolin. Gonsolin making his second appearance of the season. Dodgers minus 170. The Sunday night fade, which is 2-0 to start the year. We're talking about teams that play on Sunday night baseball and then travel for a game on Monday. 2-1, excuse me, to start the year. 2-1 to the under as well. So Dodgers minus 170, under 8.5. Those would be your plays. Uh, we have a doubleheader today. Mets and Braves will finally play. Because uh, the whole weekend got washed out. Spencer Strider gets the start for Atlanta in game one. They're minus 267 favorites. Charlie Morton versus Tyler McGill in game two of the doubleheader. Atlanta minus 120 in that one. Cubs are at the Nationals. Drew Smiley, Mackenzie Gore, Chicago minus 140. Guardians at the Yankees. Domingo Herman and the Yankees minus 130. 
against Cal Quantrill and the Guardians. Knowing that lineup that I told you, AJ, you laying it with the Yankees? No. Are you? I got to see if Judge is playing. If Judge is playing, I, I will. Okay. If he's not playing, you can't. Quantrill's look pretty terrible, though. Yeah, that's but the thing. So is Herman. <laughs> Blue Jays are at the Red Sox. Jose Brios, a guy you faded last time against Corey Kluber. A guy, a guy you fade yeah. every time. Yeah, no thanks. Who, who, which one you want a part of? Over nine and a half. Over yeah. nine and a half. <laughs> that's <laughs> it. Uh, so that's a look at your Major League Baseball schedule tonight. Head on over to pregame.com and get yourself a best bet package, whether it's for the day or for the week. You can get a seven-day all-access package from your favorite pregame pro or get yourself a daily best bet. You can take 20% off using one of our incredible promo codes, FIGHT20, F-I-G-H-T-20, or BASES20, B-A-S-E-S-20. Not BASIS like B-A-S-I-S. BASES, like got it, got it. BASES, like rounding the bases. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which I did a bunch this weekend. <laughs> Base is 20, gets you 20% off anything you'd like at pregame.com. It's for you, our loyal listeners. And just like uh, Justin Timberlake said, when you wake up this morning, it's going to be met. I want the last five seconds of my life back, please. Yeah. For Mackenzie Rivers and AJ Hoffman, I'm Scott Seidenberg. We are straight out of Vegas. AM.